Hey, and welcome to our Sports Card Grinders show, a show where we're here to help you out with sports card investing and trying to guide you to smart decision making uh, when it comes to buying cards. Uh, but before we introduce everybody, uh, can you please give our video a uh, thumbs up down below? And if you've been enjoying our content, subscribe to our YouTube page uh, so we can keep you up to date on our future content. Uh, my name's Simon Edwards. I'm a Roto Grinders executive producer and uh, content provider. And I'm joined by another content uh, provider for Roto Grinders, Brendan Ruby. Uh, Brendan, how's it going? It's going, it's going good on my end here. I'm excited to to see us kind of ramp up the content and, you know, I think we're in the swing of things here. So it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. And now uh, we're joined by another RG contributor and also uh, founder of waxpackhero.com, Mike Summer. Uh, how's it going, Mike? Things are going well. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, we're in the middle of the, the lockdown, but things are still going well. Just picked up an 18,000 card collection from, somebody here locally the other day. So I'm going to have my hands full on sorting and listing and uh, doing some more flipping. Nice, nice. So, uh, so we're also joined by uh, sports card investor himself today, uh, Jeff Wilson. And uh, speaking of sportscardinvestor.com, uh, we're partnering with them to offer you 20% off your first payment on any subscription using the uh, promo, code, uh, promo code grinders over on sportscardinvestor.com. So uh, check that out. And how's it going, Jeff? Simon, it's going great. Happy to be here. I got my first box of Mosaic. So uh, it's, I know these have been a hot thing that people have been chasing in the retail store. So finally got myself uh, my hands on one uh, via eBay. Uh, you know, so I'm looking forward to digging into that. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, Mosaic, it's off to uh, it's off to a pretty hot start. Uh, it's a recent uh, recent rela- release in uh, retail stores, and it's been selling off, selling out like instantly. Uh, people are chasing down the vendors at these retail stores and and getting them as soon as they uh, as soon as they go up on the shelves. Um, you're finding them on eBay for significantly, uh, significantly higher prices than what you could get in retail stores. So it kind of shows the demand that, uh, that we've had for it over the past week or so. Um, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about why this brand is so hot right now and uh, why the price is skyrocketing over on eBay? Yeah, I think what we're finding is there's just a, a desire to get some new product. And this is one of the first products that has been out over the last few weeks uh, that, that is kind of at a, a standard um, a standard price point or what was supposed to be a standard price point. And it's kind of continuing the trend that we've seen over the last year to two years with basketball cards and everything has just been been coming out hot and coming out on fire and people have been tracking it down. And we've seen it across multiple multiple sports, but basketball, especially over this last year, has just been on fire. This is kind of a revamped product. It's not the first time there's been a mosaic product, but it's kind of the first time that it's gotten its own featured product treatment. It was kind of a spinoff of Prism in the past. And so I think people are just excited to to get some new cards and, and get some new product in hand. One one thing that I'd uh, been reading is that Panini had to shut down their uh, manufacturing on this on this brand while the uh, uh, the state was shut down for a little while. But they're starting to uh, print more. I believe they sent an email out saying that they're starting to print more out. Um, do you think that uh, this will? 
uh, affect the, uh, the, the price and the demand, Brennan? Like, do you think uh, having more printed out will, will calm things down with this, with this market? I think you might see the prices on these things uh, level out a little bit on eBay. Um, I don't know if you're going to see them in retail any easier than you are now, only because it's kind of been the theme this year. It's been hard to find uh, really any of the retail releases uh, in your stores, whether it be Target, Walmart. I think some people have been looking at Walgreens. So everyone's going to the edges of retail to try to find these things. And I think in, in terms of Mosaic, it's a... It's a sign of, of the growth in the industry um, that Panini felt uh, comfortable enough to release it as its own product versus keeping it inside of the Prism family. So uh, I think it's a sign that the, the market is continuing to grow, and I don't think Panini has yet put out enough to really satisfy that hunger. So I, I think they'll be hard to find. However, you might see a little bit of a dip in prices on eBay as some of the some of the 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 new uh, the new cards and boxes will get released uh, as the economy opens up over the next several months. Yeah, Je- Jeff, um, what are you projecting for for this year's uh, mosaic to do, and how how would you compare it to last year's? Well, it's a little bit hard to compare to last year because while mosaic has been around for a few years, in previous years it was always called Prism Mosaic. And it was always basically a riff on the PRISM set. In fact, some people kind of refer to it as like PRISM Series 2 because they took, essentially they took the PRISM cards and they just applied a new coating over the top of the card and a little bit of a new design around the card. Um, But it was very, very similar to the first PRISM set. Um, This year, Panini decided to really turn Mosaic into its own brand and to break it away from the Prism brand. So, you know, the the look is different. It no longer references Prism. Um, Also, it's much wider distribution now. It it previously wasn't a product that was distributed very widely. This year, it's being distributed like a major product release. So you're seeing it in the retail stores. You're seeing it in the hobby stores. You're seeing it online. And that wasn't the case in previous years. So it's a little bit hard to know, you know, what it will do. I don't think you can draw the references from the previous years uh, because of the differences. However, I will say in general, basketball has never been hotter. Card collecting and investing has never been hotter. So I think it's pretty safe to say that any new release that comes out, that's a widespread release is going to garner a lot of attention and a lot of people chasing the boxes and chasing the big players within the sets. Yeah. Uh, What are you noticing about individual uh, card sales for that set? Pretty strong. Um, Here on the screen, this is a graph from my Market Movers data tool. So this is what the Zion cards look like. This is the base card. Uh, And when these first hit eBay, they hit eBay at about $68 on April the 25th. And as uh, as of yesterday, they're selling for about 54 bucks. So we're seeing you know, a slight decrease in price, which is totally normal. Anytime a new set comes out, typically the first few days of sales of those cards are always going to be the highest. And then they'll kind of level off and find the actual stability in the market. But it looks like this could still very well be a card, even at a base card that might continue to hover around 50 bucks. There's also a variation of the base card. It looks like this. So it's the same type of card, but with just a different photo variation. This one's a little more difficult to get. So um, it's the pink line on the graph. That one has been hit the market at around $200 and it is continuing to stay on up there. It's about $170 right now uh, based on most recent sales. 
And then there's the silvers. The silvers are a variation. They're more difficult to get. Uh, they're, they're considered a parallel. That's what the silver looks like. So it's the same photo as the base card, but it's a very shiny treatment. The same way that in the prism set, you have your base cards and you have your silver cards. You have the same in the mosaic set. And that's what that looks like. And these cards are going for a lot of money. When they first hit the market on April the 25th, they were about $637. Most recently, about $550. Um, but I would expect the prices to stay on up in those ranges. They may cool off a little bit more. Um, but given how hot Zion is and basketball is in general, they're not going to, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to stay valuable cards to chase and collect. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, have you been hearing a lot of buzz uh, from, from members of your, uh, your community? Yeah. yeah, There's been people continuing to ask, you know, I I get notes every once in a while, Hey, were you able to track any down or people send me screenshots of from their phones, if they were able to, to find any in Walmart or target. Um, But yeah, they seem to be popular, but like Jeff said, um, those first the first week or two, you're going to see a, a big bump in demand. There's a fairly limited supply that gets put out there, um, and so those first couple weeks, you see some real high prices before things start to stabilize. Um, but kind of keeping an eye on things and where things are are at currently gives you you know, a good feel for where you need to be targeting your buy prices if, if this is something that you're looking to to buy and flip. Yeah, and I think it, it also kind of illustrates the importance for investors to be aware of uh, which brands you need to focus on for each sport and, uh, you know, which, which cards tend to, tend to hold their value. Uh, Jeff, could you give us an overview on, you know, which for new, new card investors, uh, which brands to focus on for each sport? Yeah, so talking about basketball, um, you know, first and foremost, you would look to Prism as kind of your the top of what we consider to be the mid-range. So Prism is kind of the most popular mid-range set. People, A lot of people like to go after Prism cards, um, and that's still kind of the cream of the crop, unless you get into the really high-end stuff. Um, Optic is now a close second. Um, so really, Prism and Optic are the two that a lot of a lot of collectors and investors are going to chase. Um, it will be interesting to see where Mosaic kind of falls in the ranks of things. I think it will fall below Prism and Mosaic, or Prism and Optic rather. Um, but you know, will it will it stay above something like an NBA Hoops, which is considered also to be a good set, but it's on the low end. So if you're collecting lower end cards, you might look to a NBA Hoops. Um, you know, other popular sets include um, there's regular Donruss. Um, which is a low-end set. There's Contenders, uh, which is a set that some people like. Um, uh, but, you know, again, Prism and Optic, uh, very, very popular. If you're going to collect on the high end, if you want to go after, you know, the really nice, expensive cards with the jersey patches and the on-card autographs, then National Treasures first and foremost, and then Immaculate is a good uh, second choice on the high end. So that's basketball. Football is actually very similar because football and basketball are both made by Panini. So actually, a lot of the same sets set still apply. In football, Prism, again, very popular, the, the you know, most anticipated set. High, it's in that mid-tier. Optic, also probably number two in football, just like it is over in uh, basketball. Contenders in football is a little bit more popular. Um, so Contenders is worth a look. And then, and then likewise, on football, on your high end, you've got National Treasures, just like you have in basketball on the high end as well. Um, baseball is where things start to get a little different because baseball cards are made by Tops instead of by uh, Panini. So they're totally different set names. 
Um, but in, in Topps land, you've got Topps Chrome, which is kind of Topps equivalent of the Panini Prism brand. So, so Topps Chrome is going to be your very popular set uh, in Topps. It comes out at various times of the year. There's, there's updates, there's Series 1, there's Series 2 of Topps, and then some of them have Topps Chrome associated with them. And then you've got Bowman and Bowman Chrome. And Bowman is, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a secondary set to Tops. However, Bowman has your first prospects in it. One of the interesting things about baseball is that players, they kind of have two rookie cards. They have what is called their first prospect card, and that's in the Bowman sets. And that's the very first time a card was made of that players of that player when they were in the minor leagues. And then you've got your rookie card, and those are in the top sets. And the rookie card is when they made the major leagues for the very first time. So, so there's two different cards in uh, in baseball that you could chase for most players. But yeah, Bowman, Bowman Chrome, Tops, Tops Chrome, Tops Sapphire is another one that has become very popular, uh, kind of a higher end set in baseball that a lot of people like to collect. And in baseball, it's really about going after the autos and going after the variations. So the refractors and the, and the golds and the various, the purples and the various parallels, which exist within the Bowman Chrome line and the Tops Chrome line. Yeah. And, and with football in particular, you have to focus on pretty much the quarterback position, right? There's uh, there's not as much value with other positions as the quarterback. Yeah, that's true. So generally in football, your quarterbacks are king. Um, a little bit of interest in wide receivers and running backs, but they they tend to not, those are riskier bets. Um, definitely quarterback first and foremost. Um, in in uh, basketball, all positions are good except for your big defensive centers. Um, those guys, defensive players just in any sport don't really get the attention. And so in, in the NBA, it's really your players that are more defensively inclined that aren't going to get as much attention. People like to buy the cards of scores. So they want, you know, shooters and three-point shooters or, or if they're bigger guys, guys who have very versatile offensive games and put up a lot of points. Um, and then, of course, in baseball, that translates to your home run hitters, that translates to your guys who are, you know, have a lot of power, who, you know, are, are kind of more so than like your utility players or your good defensive players. You know, those guys aren't going to get as much attention. And your pitchers also, by the way, in baseball, tend not to get as much attention or have as much value. Because, again, it's kind of a defensive style of player, which just generally in the hobby, people go for offense, not defense. Yeah. So, so another thing that we have to pay attention to within all those uh, specific brands that you want to focus on are uh, player variants. They do variant uh, cards of, of certain players where they'll do different color sets of, uh, of each player. And some are more, uh, some have lower populations than others. Um, Brennan, you want to, you want to uh, talk a little bit about that and what, uh, what people might want to focus on there? Sure. Yeah. When you, when you think about variants, there's a few different ways you can think about it. So a player might have a base card and then upon that base card, there's several different, what they call parallels. Um, they could be different colors. Uh, they could be different designs in some cases like revolution will have a different design in the background. So in that case, it's the same card just spun a little bit different way. And then you can also have things like uh, inserts, autos, uh, relics, so within one set, even like Prism or Optic or Mosaic, you could have several different types of cards for a single player. And uh, a lot of it is just demand. The inserts, unlike 
kind of in the older day, like the nineties, uh, inserts were more popular than they are now. It's more about their base cards and then the parallels on top of that. Um, so what you, you know, a tool like market movers is great to figure out what parallels are selling. Uh, right now, silvers are hot, even if they're not more rare than other cards, silvers are in demand. People just like the look and the feel of those. Um, and so really just getting to know the different parallels within a set, a good way to do that is to look at Beckett or cardboard connections checklists. Uh, they'll break down the different parallels of each set and it'll kind of give you an idea of, of which ones are more rare and and in more demand. Um, but really it all comes down to rarity and, uh, autos. So relics don't perform very well at all from what I've seen. Um, autos are in demand, but right now the market really likes the base cards and then the rare parallels on top of those. And so, uh, keeping an eye on just the market's palette as well as the rarity of that parallel, um, is a good way to figure out what to invest in and what not to. Yeah. And, and Brennan, you've talked about, um, going back to brands to, that you might want to focus on. You were talking uh, recently about, uh, elite, um, what, what do you have to add about the, about that set and, and how something like that could compete with, uh, with prism? Well, um, in the past, I, I think I've talked about court Kings, um, at least on the top of my mind right now, I don't know what elite would be, but as far as the secondary cards, so we've talked about all the popular ones, but the, the interesting thing that I you know want to see play out is how do these secondary brands do, uh, something like court Kings is very colorful and artistic. So it's not quite traditional in a sense of cards. Um, and then you have things like select, and then we've talked about Donruss and Hoops, select which was the one that I meant. Oh, one. select. Sorry. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm a big fan of select. Uh, the reason why is, uh, it is it's retail only, or I'm sorry, it's hobby only. So I, in my mind, that'll keep the population down. It'll be more rare because it's not available in retail stores, but also it's got a nice mix of the Chrome, the Chrome finish with the kind of a, an actual basketball action and picture. Um, you'll see with things like mosaic and revolution and uh, prism, there's really no kind of basketball picture court behind them, at least for, for the rookies. Um, so, you know, the interesting thing is it's, it's almost like a cash game GPP mentality. Um, prism optic, they have proven markets. People have, have told us time and time again, that they appreciate those brands and their values go up something like select isn't as proven. So it carries more risk. And so I think um, as a long-term investment, it, it makes sense because eventually everybody's going to have, or most people will have a, a Luca prism and they're going to have to look elsewhere. Now they'll probably go to optic next and then they might go to Donruss, but um, you know, a, a good way to figure out what to invest in is, is one where the market is and, and a tool like market movers helps with that. Um, but also, is there something about it that I like? Cause if you like it, many other people might like it as well. And, um, you know, the other thing I like about select is it has three tiers to its base cards. So you've got your, your, uh, concourse, which is the, the most plentiful base card for a player. Then it goes up to the premier, which is a little bit harder to find. And then you have their court side, which is the rarest, uh, version of that person's base card you can find. And so getting to know the sets and those different nuances can really help you out in the long run. Just know the further you stray from what the market likes at the moment, the more risk you're taking on in, from an investment standpoint. Yeah. And, and Mike, you like to, to focus more on those, uh, the lower dollar uh, investments. So when you're, when you're looking at variants and stuff like that, how do you, uh, how do you decide what you want to target when it comes to that? I will pretty much 
pick up whatever I can find when it comes to that type of thing. You know, when I, I talked about this collection of 18,000 cards that I just bought, and there's probably 2,000 to 3,000 of them that are parallel cards of all different kinds. And so whether that's the rainbow foil or golds in Topps flagship baseball, or whether that's some of the different colored prism basketball parallels, I've got, you know, several thousand of them. And so I know that when I list those for sale on ComC or when I list those for sale on Sportlots or even do a variation listing on eBay, there's a demand for those those cards. And so like this this lot of 18,000 that I bought, I paid an average of about two cents a card and I'll be able to sell even those most basic parallels for anywhere between a quarter and a dollar a piece. And so I'm looking for any of those parallels because there is a market for people who like to either player collect or build sets, even those parallel sets. And so I'm, I'm a fan of any parallel when I'm buying them in, in these bulk collections. Cool. And, and Jeff, uh, what do you, what do you notice about the, uh, the demand for these, uh, these parallels and variants? Oh, your uh, audio is off. It's really, it's really, it's really interesting. It's one of those things you really have to track the market on because it doesn't there. There, first of all, there are, there are a ton of parallels. And actually I just called up in market movers here. I just called up Luka Doncic's prism cards from 2018. And you can see all of the different variations, all of the different parallels. And these are only the most popular ones. There's at least the, the, the if you try to collect every single parallel, the list is at least double this in size. This is just the the ones that you see most often pop up on eBay. Uh, so these are the ones that we're tracking in the software. And it is um, uh, what what is really interesting that you find is that the more the more rare a parallel is doesn't necessarily equate to it being worth more money. In fact, the silver parallels in the Prism set which are very desirable, they are, they are quite expensive compared to many of the other parallels, but they're actually more common than a lot of those other parallels. For example, the green, which is another, which is another bar- parallel, is, is oftentimes uh, you know, mo- several times less than the silver, but the green is actually more rare. And the reason, some of the, there's some reasoning behind why some of this happens. For example, the green parallel is a parallel that you find in retail boxes. So if you're picking up boxes at Walmart or Target, you can find the green parallel in those boxes. And it's not a parallel that you find in the hobby boxes, which are the more expensive boxes you would buy at your local card shop. So as a result of that, the you know the people buying cards on the secondary market don't respect the green quite as much because it's a retail-only parallel. So it kind of is associated with a cheaper box that it came out of, even though it's more rare. So you have a lot of these kind of nuances. And honestly, the best advice that I can give is you got you to track them and understand them. Um, and of course, that's you know, one area where Market Mover shines is that it can show you, you know, a bunch of the different popular parallels for a particular card. And then you can look at the prices of each of them kind of compared to each other. Yeah. And just a reminder, you can get, uh, you can get Market Movers with a Subscription to sportscardinvestor.com using the promo code grinders for 20% off your, uh, your first payment for any subscription. Um, going back to, uh, to Com C, uh, Mike, you were just talking about that. 
Can you explain uh, what exactly ComC is and uh, and how investors might be able to use it to to buy and sell their cards? Sure. Yeah. So ComC is a online site that is a consigner, and so um, collectors and spent or send in their cards to ComC, and they process your cards and put them available for sale um, on their site um, for a fee and both a processing fee and then a, a sales commission. But one of the things that I like the most about it is when you start to sell at volume, they do all of the work, which is which is great. They also cross-list their entire inventory on eBay. So you're not just getting cards for sale on their own site, comc.com, but all of their inventory is also cross-listed to eBay at no additional charge, which is great to get additional eyeballs on your card. Now, you can either send in your own cards and have them processed, or one of the things that I love to do and how I even got started on the site is to flip cards directly on the site. And so with even just a few clicks of a mouse, you can buy and reprice a card in seconds. And so when you can find, they have several million different cards, unique cards in their system, in their inventory. And so you can buy and relist and flip a card with a few clicks of a button in a matter of seconds. And since all of that inventory is housed in their own warehouses, because you've sent it in, you never even have to take physical possession of those cards. So it's not like buying a card on eBay, waiting four or five days for it to get to you, taking your own pictures and scanning it, like you instantaneously can buy and reprice cards. And so for somebody who's interested in in flipping, finding those flipping opportunities, it's a great platform to to identify those cards and instantly relist them for more. It's, it's one of the, the three foundational sites that I use when it comes to, to buying and selling. Uh, what would the, uh, the other two? Um, eBay and then sportlots.com is another site that I use for mainly focused on very low end base and insert cards. Gotcha. Gotcha. But, but Sportlots uh, has everything from, from commons up through cards that are, you know, thousands and $10,000. So they really have a, a pretty expansive inventory. Is, is that similar to, uh, to ComC where they hold the inventory or? Um, in, with Sportlots, you hold your own inventory. It's all at yeah. your own house and you handle all of the processing of those orders as they come in. But it's ComC that has it all in their own inventory. Gotcha. Uh, Brennan, what's, what's uh, your experience been with uh, with ComC? So I've been on ComC for a week now. I've made a, a bunch of purchases. I started with 100 bucks, and I think I have a portfolio of, gosh, I don't know, probably 100 cards at this point. Um, I've only made one sale at, at this point. And, and the reason why is um, I'm kind of taking the approach on ComC uh, as using it as a prospecting platform. So one thing I found out about eBay is, it's almost impossible to get a card unless you're buying big lots, like Mike was talking about earlier. It's almost impossible to get a, a low-end prospect type card to you shipped and everything for less than, say, 3 to $5. It's just almost impossible when you think about shipping and, and fees and everything else like that. Um, ComC, uh, like Mike said, you can buy something for a quarter, 45 cents, 50 cents, no shipping and handling, no time scanning it in uh, to flip it on eBay or anything like that. It's in your inventory. They call it the inventory manager and you can reprice it. Um, the one sale I made, I bought a, a DeJounte Murray select uh, concourse card. So the lowest base card for 75 cents and flipped it for $1.25. Um, 
you know, I had, had planned on just going back in closer to the season and updating all the prices, but um, it is pretty liquid. There's people on there buying and selling. Um, I, I can tell you that buying graded cards on there, uh, it's, it's much better to go the eBay route. There's a bigger supply um, and the prices seem a little bit more reasonable on eBay. So if you're looking at cards, I'd say under $20 uh, and you're looking to, you don't really care about having them in your possession. ComC takes all that hassle away for you for a pretty reasonable price. I think their commission on a sale is 5%, uh, which eBay it's 10 at the sale. So it's reasonable. However, you do have to pay them to, to manage the card. I think it's like 31 cents to scan it in and all that kind of stuff. So if you're looking to buy and sell on the lower end, ComC is great, especially if you don't want to deal with the uh, inventory management side of it. Um, and, and and like I said, as long as you spend the time updating your prices and making sure that uh, you're at the right price point, that's really all it takes to to kind of buy and sell on there. Yeah, I started with an initial deposit of around $10, I think, um, in late 2015. And for the first year to year and a half, all I did was flip. And, and I worked that, that up. Eventually, when I had my first submission of five or 600 cards, I deposited an additional 75 or $80 um, to help cover some of the processing fees associated with that. But I've since then withdrawn well over anything that I've deposited. I've submitted close to 10,000 cards now and have a current inventory of over 50,000 cards on the site. And it's been, it's self-sustaining, you know, it's paying for itself and I continue to buy more inventory both on site and through submissions and continue to, to build that up and, and generate those sales. So it's, it's been a, a fantastic option for me from cards ranging for me personally. Um, I buy a lot of low end cards on the site to flip and the cards that I submit are usually valued between one and $20. And that's kind of the range that I, I target for ComC. Yeah. And, and Jeff, uh, what's, uh, what's your experience been? Um, do you, do you use it a lot for the higher end cards too, or? Uh, I think, I, I mean, I think what, what, uh, what Mike said uh, and what Brennan said, Comsi is great. It's particularly great for the lower end cards. It's particularly great for cards that I, I find it a great source for cards that are uh, kind of unusual, like cards that might be, you know, uh, Jersey cards, relic cards, um, you know, maybe some kind of, autograph cards or variants of maybe not your superstar players, but kind of the next level down. It's a great site for set collectors who are trying to complete out a set, whether it's just they, they need to complete out the set of a, of a year, or if they're just trying to collect a whole bunch of one player, if they're trying to, you know, build an inventory of one player's cards, it's a great source for them to do that. Um, so ComC is a wonderful site. You know, if I'm buying higher end graded, I, I tend to use eBay uh, most often by far. Um, and StockX is another source for, you know, that higher end graded type card. Um, but um, I think for, you know, the kind of the lower end uh, variety types of cards, ComC is, is a wonderful and I, I love their business model too, uh, you know, which, which everyone just explained. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a good to have those, uh, those extra resources when you want to uh, flip cards or, or buy cards, sell cards. Um, good to know that eBay is not the only, uh, only platform out there, especially with the fees that they charge. Um, so, uh, we, we've, we've talked in the, in the past weeks about the, uh, populations of PSA, uh, 10 cards and in certain sets, uh, there are higher, uh, populations than others. Uh, Brendan's been working on a, um, a market cap 
type of type of uh, program to kind of value uh, value these cards. Uh, Brent, do you want to get a little bit into into what you're working on there? Yeah. So uh, just to give you the inspiration of of kind of what led me into a two day uh, project here to to track the market quote unquote market cap of LeBron's uh, most popular rookie cards in in stock investing. Um, a lot of times to get the the value of a company, or at least what the market thinks a company is valued at, you look at their market cap and not necessarily uh, what the stock price is. Uh, because of course, every company has a different uh, you know amount of shares outstanding uh, for their stock. And so I thought, well, something similar might be interesting to look at in sports cards because we have so many different um, you know cards. And, and as the years have gone on, there's been more and more available. Um, I can almost guarantee that Luca's population of cards is much, much greater than LeBron's. And that's kind of what led me to do this analysis. And so what I did was I took the market movers tool, I actually went to the sale lookup. I spend about as much time in there as I do the charts nowadays. And, and I looked at all of the different popular variations of LeBron's rookie cards, um, both on, on PSA and BGS. So I added BGS in today um, to, to give a more full picture um, so I took the I took the average price for the different grades uh, on on Market Movers Sale Lookup Tool, and then I, I multiplied that by the population of that grade of that card, and and what that gave me was a, a quote unquote market cap for that particular card. Now, what are some flaws to this? We don't know how many raw are outstanding uh, for these players, so we are missing a lot of cards from a, a raw standpoint, but. Uh, as you can see here on the screen from the pivot table I've put together, uh, there is if you if you t- if you look at the average price and the population for LeBron's cards, you've got about seventy eight million dollars is the market cap for his graded population. Um, and and I went to the Topps Chrome, Topps Base, uh, Upper Deck, and Topps Pristine. So I tried to get all of the popular ones that most people would chase. Uh, Exquisite's not in here. A lot of the RPAs and stuff, of course, that are going for probably six figures at this point aren't included. But what, what I find interesting is how quickly it drops off from tops Chrome to tops base. And I think you're going to see something similar if we start to look at the newer players with prism versus other things like optic and hoops. And that's the, the whole point of, of why I think it might be valuable to start looking at this stuff. Um, and so that's one thing, seeing the drop off from tops Chrome, which is at 36 million uh, total to well, actually, over fifty million if you include the refractor to Tops Base, which comes in at, at at twelve million, maybe fourteen, fifteen if you add in the other variations. So, um, you know, the whole idea was: can we now glean some insights if we look at maybe Luca's market cap? Uh, if we put that together, is there a comparison? And and so this is is one of those things where right now it's some interesting insights. But I think if we if we do this type of research in the future, as it gets easier to gather this data, there might be something here. And uh, this was kind of my first pass at it. And at least we know that uh, of the popular LeBron rookies, there's 78 million dollars of cards floating out there uh, based on today's current prices and populations. Yeah, Jeff, what do, what do you think about something like that with uh, judging judging value in these cards? I think it's a great idea. It's a feature I want to add into Market Movers so that we can <laughs> we can look at that. So Brennan doesn't have to create spreadsheets anymore. But you know what he's doing is he's looking at the pricing data in Market Movers and then the population reports on PSA's website and kind of combining them together, which is a, a brilliant thing to do. Um, but I, I think it's very smart. I mean, I think it. You know, you you. That's one thing about card investing 
is you want to be aware of how much was printed of a particular card because, um, you know, for example, um, I'm very high and have been very high on Giannis's rookie cards. And in addition to me liking them because it's, it's Giannis and I think that he's going to get a championship at some point. And I think, you know, he's a, a you know, incredible all-star player. I also like them because his rookie card was in 2013 and there were very, there were so many fewer cards printed in 2013 than there are today. So as a result of that, the 2013 year in particular has very low population for us. By the way, there were also more cards printed back in LeBron's rookie year of 2003 than there were in 2013. So you have this kind of actual soft spot in the market during Giannis's rookie year where his population totals are lower than LeBron's population totals or, you know, your newer players like Luca or Zion's population totals. So um, I think looking at the population reports can provide a little bit of extra context into that. And then when you realize when you when you put all that together, you would actually realize that that Giannis's market cap is is significantly lower than the market cap of of some, you know, 2018 or 2019 players who do not deserve to have a higher market cap than Giannis does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Brennan, you have anything to add to what uh, Jeff just said? No, that that's exactly right. And and I have been, you know, I came into it trying to compare LeBron to to some of the newer players like Luca cuz you know, if Luca's market cap is higher than LeBron's, which I haven't done that analysis yet, would you think either Luca pulls back or would you think he's maybe going to have a better career than LeBron or could potentially LeBron be undervalued? But bringing Giannis into it is even better because Giannis's population is probably more solidified than Luca's. And, you know, if we were to do this analysis and see that Giannis was a 25% of what LeBron's market cap is, the whole idea of this analysis, maybe that's wrong. Maybe that LeBron or maybe Giannis's cards deserve a little bit more love. Um, Cause I would assume that, you know, once someone is inducted into the hall of fame and their career is done, their market cap should be somewhat representative of where they stand in history. I think that's the whole point of this and, and comparing Giannis to a guy like LeBron would probably be very interesting um, to do at some point in the future for sure. Nice. Yeah. It's always good to have, you know, um, more solid ways to judge value on these cards and get a real, you know, good substantive idea of, of, you know, what you're paying for cards and uh, what the actual market value should be. So that's, that's always good to have uh, information like that. So I think we covered a, covered a bunch of topics here, guys. Um, Just wanted to remind our viewers to subscribe to sportscardinvestor.com using the promo code grinders to get 20% off your, uh, your first payment on any uh, subscription. And uh, give us a like and subscribe on the video. And Jeff, do you have anything to uh, to add to the final thoughts? It's going to be really exciting to see what the sports card market does when the sports leagues start to come out with their plans to resume their seasons. Um, I think you're going to see an instant uptick um, in card prices the moment that announcement happens. So I personally... I would be thinking right now about some baseball. Uh, Maybe if you're going to be thinking about NBA, I'd be thinking about players who are going to be in the playoffs, Um, you know, because obviously you might see us jump straight into the playoffs potentially. 
Um, and so I, I think, but I think there's some buying opportunities there. And I think we could see some real gains from that uh, in the next uh, month or two. Awesome. Yeah, we're all uh, looking forward to getting those back. Uh, Brendan, do you have anything, uh, any final thoughts you'd like to add? I, I agree. I agree with that, that there's some pent up demand and excitement for sports to be back. And, and me personally, I've been trying to chase John Morant graded cards, which a lot of the rookies right now, because of the shutdown and when it happened, you're seeing the market a little thin on the rookies graded cards. So I, seeing that play out and whether or not there's a huge spike and then the decline will be interesting. But as far as advice for, for anybody that's going to start on ComC or StockX, or if you haven't started on eBay yet, kind of learn initially. Um, I, you know, early on, I would not worry too much about how much you're investing or putting into it, more just learning the tool and learning the market. And then as you get confident, raise the amount of money you're willing to up to a hundred percent of the bankroll, which we've talked about on previous calls, but, or uh, videos, but, you know, just start off slow, learn. And um, we talk a lot about the investing side here, but there's also a collection part of it. And so if you have players you like and sets that you like, I, I wouldn't necessarily worry about whether or not it's a good investment or not from an ROI standpoint, but rather, are you getting the best possible price you can on a card that you like and want to hold for a long time. I, I think sometimes we lose sight of that, but um, I do collect myself as well as invest and that balance is something that's key to hitting uh, to enjoy this really to its fullest extent. Yeah. And that gives a, a good opportunity to remind people to be conscious of their uh, bankroll management. Don't need to, to buy the $300 cards right off the bat, get used to the market, uh, get a feel for it, learn which cards and which uh, variants and which uh, brands to to invest in before you start going crazy. Uh, Mike, did you have anything to add? Yeah, I just um, I'd invite people to check out the podcast, the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, where I, I try to combine both the hobby and business sides of collecting. Uh, I throw in some episodes that maybe recap a, a particular set. Um, this last week, I've been talking about what some of the most popular um, articles are on the blog. Uh, and as well as mixing in some interviews. So last week I interviewed Dr. James Beckett, the founder of, of Beckett Media, um, Beckett Magazine. And that was a lot of fun to get to chat with him. And so I invite people to check that out. And then the only other thing I'd point out is earlier we were talking about Bowman and First Bowmans. And one of the tools that I put on the site a couple months ago is a searchable um, listing of all the players first Bowman cards so if you want to go set by set and see what cards have the first Bowman logo in each Bowman release you can do that or you can search for a particular player and it will tell you what set has their first Bowman um, their card with the first Bowman logo on it and so a lot of people have said that has been handy as they've been prospecting and trying to track down those first Bowman cards so I'll throw that out there too awesome and Mike, you also have an article coming up for, uh, for Roto-Grinders. you want to give a little teaser on that? Yeah, I, um, probably coming out here in the next couple of days, I did kind of an overview of those three main selling platforms, buying and selling platforms that I use. And so there'll be an overview of, of buying and selling on eBay and using ComC for that, as well as Sportlots for for cards on the, the very low end of the market. So I wanted to get some of those um, basic overviews out there for people as they start to explore where to find these cards and then where, where can they go and sell them? Awesome. Yeah, that'll definitely be helpful. And uh, 
We've got a lot of sports card advice and investing advice over at rotogrinders.com. So check out our sports card section over there. And uh, again, give us a like and subscribe on the video and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you.